are listening to the weekly message at Woods Chapel Blue Springs, where it doesn't matter who you are or where you are coming from, everyone is included, accepted, and loved. For more information, please visit us at woodschapelbluesprings.org. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Kelsey Liggett, and I am the small groups leader here at Woods Chapel Blue Springs. And as much as I was looking forward to actually speaking in front of people this time, I am very thankful and glad that you chose to join us online today. And before anyone asks, I was wearing a mask around the band. I chose to take it off before I came up because it was a little bit of a struggle, and it took me a few minutes, like the entire time of that video. So. Thanksgiving is only a few short days away, and today we're talking about gratitude. There probably hasn't ever been a better time to talk about that than right now. 2020, what a year, huh? It's been over six months since our worlds were flipped upside down, since we were unceremoniously shoved out of our routines and booted from the institutions that anchor us. Schools, workplaces, gyms, and even church. If you had asked me in February, I never would have thought that something, anything, would shut down a church's doors around the holiday. This is the first year of my life that I had not been to church during Easter service, as I am sure was the same for many of you. And just as limited access to these places began to emerge again, schools, churches, and workplaces started to open their doors, we've been quickly thrown back into a new round of guidelines and more closures. Just as we start to feel some sense of normal, we get thrown off balance again. Embracing gratitude probably sounds virtually impossible or, at a minimum, feels like it's at the bottom of our list when we're worried about our jobs, our mortgage payments, the half-empty refrigerator, watching anything happening on the news, and the uncertain health of ourselves and our relatives. For those of you who don't know me or my family very well, I'm going to be honest with you today, not to seek pity or to whine, but so that you know that I, just like many of you, have faced my share of challenges this year. My husband, Larry, is a bar manager at a restaurant and speakeasy in downtown Kansas City. And we, like so many of you and others around our city and the country and the world, have been directly impacted by the ramifications of COVID and the resulting guidelines, restrictions, and shutdown. My husband found out two days before his birthday in March that he was being laid off, probably his best birthday to date. I had already accepted a new job in a new field that was set to start in teaching, no less, this fall and had no idea what that would look like or how I would navigate a new career with everything going on. We pulled our kids from daycare, which is a place they love and a routine and normal for them to stay home with us while we grappled all of these things, along with many other challenges and changes being thrown our way. We've had real moments this year where we felt like shaking our fists at God. Larry and I were driving to meet up with his brother to borrow a car, one of the several times this year, one of our cars has been out of commission. And he just shook his head and said, we're good people. Why does this stuff keep happening to us? One day it's the job, one day it's a car, the next it's something at the house. Have you been there sometime this year, maybe sometime this month or even this week, where the problems just seem to pile up and you're so fed up that you find yourself yelling, I'm a good person, God, I don't deserve this. 
My favorite thing that Larry says when he gets frustrated at things going on around us in our lives is, you even pay tithe, Kelsey. Why are all of these bad things happening when you even pay tithe? We've all been guilty of feeling that since we're good Christians living a good life, whatever that means, that we should be absolved of any hardships and challenges, or that we've earned at a minimum to not be constantly assaulted by a barrage of difficulties. These moments come like gigantic waves at the beach. Fear and uncertainty, anger or frustration, disappointment and sadness plunge us beneath the surface. We have all felt variations of combinations of these different emotions, maybe all of them at once, which tends to happen when we lose any form of stability in our lives. And right now, we just don't know what comes next. We try to force our heads above water until another wave engulfs us, lifting us up and then pulling us under. Sometimes, so often, we wonder, when is this going to end? And the first person we have a tendency to blame is God. In these moments, it's especially important for us to focus on what we're grateful for. If you keep riding the waves, eventually they lead you to shore, to solid ground. Nothing will help you keep your head above water like a heart full of thanksgiving. And nobody will help you keep your head above water like God. Every year, two weeks before Thanksgiving, we start a thankful turkey at our house. Every night as we sit at the dinner table or say our prayers before bed, we ask the kids and each other one thing that we're thankful for. We write down everyone's thing on a paper feather and build out our turkey. What I love about doing this with kids is not only that it's an easy way to introduce and instill gratitude, but I love their answers. The very first thing my son, Everett, was thankful for this year was a blue, green, and brown car. The next day, it was dinosaurs. As a parent, we have a tendency to want to guide our children to being thankful for people in their lives or significant things that they have or have done. But the thing that I love about Everett's answers is that as adults, we stop seeing all of the small things we have in our lives to be thankful for. Sure, my kids love me, and I'm sure they're thankful for me, and eventually I will end up on a feather. But I love the way that kids see even the small things, the things we as adults tend to take for granted as blessings. About a year or so ago, I bought myself a gratitude journal. I got the idea from my friend Taylor, who some of you may know as she goes to church here. And she's part of my young women's group. In the middle of a conversation once, she mentioned that every single morning, as soon as she woke up, she would write down five things that she was grateful for. I was a little blown away. I wake up early every morning, sure, but I've never used that time to sit and center myself in gratitude um, before I started my laundry list of to-do items and work. But I loved that idea. I found a gratitude journal online that had a space to write three things that you were thankful for daily, and I planned to do it for at least a month. I started this around Lent to form a habit of it. I absolutely can recognize in myself that I don't always take the time to focus on or even acknowledge my blessings and have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. As soon as I got the journal, I started, and yikes, I had a, such a hard time that after a first week of consistent entries, I basically quit. 
Coming up with three things to be thankful for each morning was hard. Not just hard, it felt impossible. I listed my parents, my kids, my husband, church, sure, and then it just fell flat. I had nothing. I kept repeating the exact same things because I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out what I had that was worthy enough of being written down. I was so perplexed that Taylor had found, had managed to find five things every single day to be thankful for that I wanted to demand that she show me and tell me what she had written down. There was no way. And this is where the problem lies. I don't see the world around me very clearly. I don't really carry around a heart of gratitude looking for blessings in all things. I'm sure I'm not alone, especially now, in having stopped seeing all of the things we have to be thankful for around us. And the older we get, the more there are things that bombard us daily that have a tendency to take away from our ability to feel thankful. One huge block to gratitude that many of us have probably encountered this year especially is that it seems wrong somehow celebrating what's good in our lives when so many are suffering and in the midst of our own personal bad things going on. Daily, we encounter harsh realities that dampen the impulse to point out, even to ourselves, our blessings. But life is always and will always be uncertain. We forget how often and how unexpectedly even horrific losses and experiences morph into equally unforeseen abundance. I believe it's important, more than that, healthy, to acknowledge our struggles and hardships. I'm not always the best at asking for help or being vulnerable with others when I'm having a difficult time. Apparently, people say I'm stubborn. But in the last few months, I cannot tell you how many times I've said, wow, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. What is not healthy is to wallow in these things, to allow ourselves to become so overcome and consumed with the whining, the things going wrong that we stop seeing all that we do have. Wallowing in the negative does nothing to help, but focusing on good in our lives can literally create more abundance. Gratitude can be a balm at the worst of times. When a bad thing happens, there is nothing we can do about it. What what, when things happen in the, what things can happen in the midst of bad things, and there's no guilt to be had in that. We tend to feel that when something bad happens or is happening, the only emotion we're allowed to have is sadness or anger. But if we wait until we get past the hard times, we'll never have moments of happiness and thankfulness. In addition to these feelings, we each have our own individual roadblocks to gratitude. Not just the harsh reality of life and the challenges we face, but roadblocks we've created that stand in the way of our thankful hearts. A major roadblock for me is social media. If you know me, you've probably heard me give spiels about social media, and while I admit there are definite advantages, like you all being able to turn, tune into church today, um, I personally feel detached from blessings in my life and spend too much time online. When I log in, it's hard to ignore status update after status update of constant bickering, anger, lies, and a general tendency to focus on anything but the positive. And it clouds me from focusing on the good. I see so many people whining about their lives and problem after problem, but also comparing their lives to the unattainable lives of others. Maybe it's social media for you too. 
Or maybe for you, a roadblock to gratitude is materialism. We live in a culture that believes you constantly need to be spending money. This idea that you need more stuff to make you happy, but the list is never ending and you just keep buying and buying and still never get it right. There's always someone with something bigger, better, more than what you have. Or maybe your roadblock is a sense of entitlement many of us seem to have. It's hard to be grateful, especially for the everyday small things, when you feel you're owed these things. And kind of like my moment with my husband, where we have this tendency to say, but we're doing everything right. We feel like the world owes us good karma or juju and forget to be appreciative of things. Maybe a roadblock isn't one of these things. There are many, many different roadblocks, but we all face obstacles to living with grateful hearts. The important thing is scrutinizing ourselves, taking moments of honest and raw self-reflection to identify what gets in our way and working to overcome it. We know that this year has been hard. I'm sure some of you are like, thanks, Kelsey, for this lovely reminder of what a rough year it is. We probably all recognize we've struggled to be thankful. Some of you might even know what is getting in the way. I mean, living in a pandemic is a roadblock in and of itself. So I want to turn now to the scripture, specifically to Luke 17, 12 through 19. Here we have the story of Jesus in the 10 lepers, which goes... As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were there not all ten men cleansed? Where are the other nine? Had no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. We've talked about this story before, but in preparing for this week, I kept coming back here. I've been reading and rereading this scripture, and I'm trying to decide what I think is most important. As I read, it was like Michael was standing over my shoulder, especially after last week, reminding me that the lesson in the story often has very little to do with the miracle performed. So looking beyond Jesus cleansing the ten lepers, what is the lesson? To me, the lesson is that when God provides, there is very little praise and thanks. The emphasis here to me is of 10 men blessed, only one returns. We've acknowledged that this year has been difficult for everyone, but are we wallowing in the difficulty and refusing to see God's faithfulness, his goodness? Do we fail to recognize our blessings? And as I reread this story this week, I felt I was being called out too. How many times has God provided above and beyond for me and my family? How about for you? Do I return and give praise? Do I throw myself at Jesus with gratitude? Do you? Have I ever thrown myself at God overjoyed and with gratitude and thanks? The kids and I were on a walk the other week. The leaves were piled high on the sidewalks, and Harley and Everett were kicking through them as we walked. Harley stopped suddenly, grabbing a leaf and holding it up to me. Mom, she said excitedly, this leaf has so many colors, not just one. It has yellow and red and brown, and she listed them all off. And as we continued walking, she clutched that leaf, and I was struck by the awe in her voice. 
We want to focus on the miracle of the 10 men being cleansed from their leprosy because we want God's blessings to come in such abundance that we couldn't possibly turn away from them. We want the signs of God, God's work to be big and bold and flashy like a miracle. We don't want our husbands to get laid off. We want him to get promoted. We don't want our new careers to be difficult and challenging. We want to win teacher of the year, our first year of teaching. But when was the last time we saw the beauty and wonder in something so small, like a leaf? When was the last time we were thankful for this beauty? And that day on a walk with my kids, I was. Seeing it in the eyes of my four-year-old, I was in awe at the beauty of this small, multicolored leaf. God made that. My God made that. And that same God made me. There's a song that plays on K-Love called Love Moved First by Casting Crowns, and I absolutely love this song. Every single time it comes on the radio, I turn it up, and almost every time I get teary-eyed. So for those of you who might be unfamiliar with this song, part of it goes, you didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance, even if I wanted to. You came running after me when anybody else would have turned and left me at my worst. Love moved first. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've absolutely been at a point in my life, many points really, where I found myself distanced from God. Maybe your point is this year. As we're distanced from joining our church community and dealing with more than we feel like we're capable of, I absolutely love this reminder that no matter the distance, no matter the circumstances, no matter what, God runs after us. As I listen to this song, I picture that, this great divide, and God choosing me, caring enough to chase after me instead of letting me go. It doesn't matter that when I'm frustrated or overwhelmed, I yell and question him, why, God, why? It doesn't matter that my faith all but abandons him and his plan for me when I question and doubt the path I'm on and the trouble I found myself in. When I ignore the blessings he's provided me all around me, when he provides for me, answers my prayers, and I become one of the nine lepers and fail to thank him, he loves me still. In this difficult season, I am so, so thankful for a God who comes running, a God who will always come running, choosing me. Between our vanished past and unpredictable future lies a realization. All we have is now. Moment by moment, I'm recognizing that gratitude is a choice and a challenging one in a world in which fear, anxiety, outrage, and frustration are constantly offered to us. For every reason for ingratitude, find something, anything to be thankful for. I chose the video I did to begin the sermon because I loved the emphasis on the small moments that we take for granted, like fall leaves. We take for granted waking up in the morning, the smell of a warm cup of coffee, someone holding the door for us. Say it out loud, fill in the blanks I'm thankful for, and I'm deeply appreciative that I'm enjoying Gratitude is a decision to acknowledge goodness despite our circumstances. 
Research has proven that gratitude is not just good for us, but that it's essential to happiness. We've regressed gratitude to a mere feeling instead of seeing it as it once was, which is a virtue that leads to action. And that's what Jesus constantly called his people to, right? Action. Gratitude is an action we can return to others. When Jesus calls out the nine who do not return with thanks, this also reflects that we often don't return gratitude to him or others around us. A huge way to embrace a heart of gratitude is to pass your thanks on. Do the people in our lives who are blessings to us know that we are deeply and irrevocably thankful for them? Or do we assume that they know that we are thankful? The other day I met up with a friend of mine, um, someone that I started working with, and she gave me a card, and I might tear up because this was very unexpected. And so I'm going to read part of the card to you. She said, I just want to tell you how thankful I am to be working with you. I appreciate your positivity, flexibility, and creativity. Your heart for your students shines in the work you do for them. They are so blessed to be seen, heard, and loved by you. Your calling to be a teacher is clear. In the next quarter, I am praying that God would grant you peace in the chaos, rest in the busyness, and trust in the unknown. Thank you for pointing me to Christ simply by the way you live. And she goes on to thank me for working at the school. I was so blown away by this card because I don't know the last time that I received such an offhanded moment of thanks. I don't know the last time when someone said, hey, I see Christ in you and I'm thankful for that, especially when it can be difficult for me to see Christ myself. And I asked myself after I got this card, oh my gosh, have I ever given someone a card that meant that much, that showed them so raw, so truthfully how I felt and how thankful and blessed that I was to have them in my life. Given the wonder of gratitude, it seems hard to imagine we would ever reject it. But if we fail to choose an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness, by default, we choose ingratitude. And millions of us make that choice every single day. This has been another challenging week for my family. We were thrown through a little bit of a loop and we're all trying to find balance. One day, the kids and I made our way to the park up the street from our house. It was one of those gorgeous November afternoons. The sun was shining, it was 60 degrees, and there was this cool breeze. My son's absolute favorite game to play when we go to the park is to hunt for dinosaurs. And it sounds silly, and I'm sure the other park growers think we're a bit deranged, but we use our imaginations as we run around the trails at the park, searching for a T-Rex, a lost pterodactyl, an injured stegosaurus. On this day, the kids found dinosaur eggs laying underneath a tree, and we rushed to save them from an erupting volcano. And as I stood and looked at those dinosaur eggs laying on the ground, I was overwhelmed with this sudden sense of gratitude. In the midst of the hecticness of life, I am so thankful for beautiful November afternoons, a park that the kids and I can walk to, and the days where my kids want to save the dinosaurs. But enough about me. This week, my challenge to each of you is to focus on what you have to be thankful for. Start up a thankful turkey like my family or sit around the table and have each person share what they have in their life to be thankful for. 
Use your daily walk as a time to recount the things you found to be grateful for that day. Take Taylor's idea and start a gratitude list or journal, and I hope you are far more successful than I was. And don't give up like I did when it feels hard. There are countless roads to gratefulness. Whichever one you take, prioritize gratitude in your lives this week. But more importantly, develop ways you can begin to prioritize gratitude in your life outside of November. So with feeling, what are you thankful for? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your presence in our lives, even when we've been guilty of rebuking you, of pushing you away. Thank you for the beauty you've surrounded us with, the color-changing leaves of fall, the warm November afternoons, and pink and orange sunsets on the drive home. Thank you for the big things in our lives, but even more, thank you for the good, small things that we have every day, even when we forget to see them. Focus our hearts, Lord, on gratitude to you and to those in our lives, not just today or this week, but every day and every week. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll join us again next week.